0: There was a man, a Scotsman. He decided that he was going to teach a new sport to the president of the United States, Ulysses S. Grant. So we came to to talk to the president. He had a a special privilege of having that relationship with him. And what he did is he set this piece of wood in the ground and stuck it down in there. And, And then he took this ball and he set a ball on top of the wood. And then he took this long stick with a kind of a head-like thing on the end of it, and he set it down there, and he got up in front of it, and he said, just watch this. And then he, and like turf went flying everywhere, and that ball just sat perfectly right there, right? He's trying to teach him the game of golf, right? And he needed to learn a little bit himself. This is a true story. So he backs up, he goes again, he's like, just wait a second, Perf all over the place. President gets hit with dirt that time. Does it five times more. So six times total, he did this thing where he's missing the ball completely. The president finally leans in and says, well, certainly the sport brings a lot of exercise. That I get. What's the purpose of the ball? (laughs) Right? Like, How often are we in a spot where we're supposed to be demonstrating something and the purpose is completely unclear because of how poorly we're demonstrating it? You know, as we start talking about fresh faith, which is the series that we're in here in First Peter, fresh faith, this faith that brings vibrancy to your life, this faith that brings purpose to your life, as we're wrestling with fresh faith, here's the question. So what is the purpose of that faith? What is fresh faith's mission as we go through our day-to-day living? We better know. Because otherwise, I got to tell you, we're just winging it. And in the end, we have no clue what we're going to end up with, right? Each and every day, each and every way, you're just kind of going on feelings. Today, we're going to look at fresh faith's mission. What should we be going after every day in our lives for completeness, okay? Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. The ushers are coming forward and they've got some Bibles in their hands. So if you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand and we'll get a Bible to you, okay? Just raise your hand and we'll get one to you. We're going to walk verse by verse through this. First Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. All right. First point in this mission, it's worship. Come to Jesus Christ and know him personally. Come to Jesus Christ and know him personally. Worship. We're going to start out in chapter 2, verse 1, and I'm just going to read a few verses, and then we're going to go right to a narrowed portion of it, okay? So, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious... That's, that's just the first four verses. And here's the deal. Peter starts out and he dives into a challenge. But right in the middle of it, he's got kind of a, a hope statement. A statement on what worship looks like. So we're going to pull it out and start with it, okay? Verses 3 and 4. Take a look at verse 3. This is where we're getting the worship from. It starts out, If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. If indeed you have tasted. Now, when we use the word if... It's a conditional, right? It means like, if something is true, then the following will be considered to be true with it. If then clauses, right? But here's the deal. In, in the original language, in Greek, you could actually use if in a different way. There was a way you could structure the grammar where when you're saying if, you're saying, but it's obviously true, right? It's kind of buried in it. That's why in the ESV, they say, if indeed, they're, they're putting a word with it to try to say, but we know it's true, Okay. The NIV just says, I'm not even going to put the word if it's too confusing in English. So they went to the word now, like it's just true. This is the way it is. I know Peter's writing and he's saying, I know you, I know you've trusted in Christ. I know you've tasted of the Lord and found him good. It's fact. So he says, if indeed fact, you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, where is he getting this from? This word taste? Why is he going to that metaphor? Well, that's why I read the whole section there, those first couple verses, because he gets into this idea of pure milk, this idea of intake, of eating. And, you know, when we eat, we're doing it for sustenance and nourishment, right? And then some of you are like, no, I do it because it tastes good. Right, exactly. That's the point. Eating has purpose. It, it, it sustains, it nourishes. But guess what? God, in his infinite wonder and grace, Gave us these little taste buds all over our tongue so that while we're taking it in, we can actually enjoy the taking in of it. Taste. It's like the over and above on being nourished. It's the you wouldn't believe what plan I have for you while you're doing what's necessary. necessary It's going to pay off. Taste. Don't take it to the nth degree and just start eating because of taste. But taste. Enjoy along the way. He's saying Taste that the Lord is good, that the Lord is good. He's saying, metaphorically, I want you to taste Jesus Christ, right? I want you to know him. I want you to experience him. I want you to not be with him just because it's necessary. I want you to be with him because it just is an unbelievable experience. It's the payoff above nourishment. Taste the Lord. Have you tasted him? Are you experiencing life with him? Is it one of those things where each week you come in and you go, oh, that's right, Jesus. And then you go on with the rest of your week. Or are you taking time throughout the week to savor time with your savior? That's a big deal. Spend some time with him. Get to know him. Learn of his character. Learn of his passion. Learn what he has for you and go after it with all you've got. I'm talking payoff to the highest level. Now, I want to say, it says, taste that the Lord is good, okay? That word there is really tough to translate. This is the same word that when Jesus is talking in Matthew 11, and he says, come to me, all you who are are weary and heavy laden, and he says, my yoke is easy. That word easy is the same Greek word. It's this easy, this good, this gracious, this, this idea of caretaking and networking and flavor for you that is good. So it's got goodness to it. It's got what's best for you in it. The word easy is a part of it as well. It's the Lord considering you. That's what he's saying. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you tasted him and found him good? Have you experienced the Almighty at that level of personal depth? He goes on in verse 4. He says, as you come to him. A living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. As you come, process, right? It's like it's going on. It's a regular thing. As you come, you are on a regular basis coming to the foot of the cross, to a relationship with Jesus Christ, to experience him in all of his greatness and his fulfillment. Come to him. That's what worship is. It's come to him and know him and share with him and relate to him. And as you know him, begin to adore him. Just spend time lavishing it upon him. What's due him? Worship him as you come to him. The one who is chosen, Jesus Christ, before the foundations of the world, known that he was going to become a man, make a payment for you and me. Chosen, but more than that, precious. Unequaled and unparalleled in value unbelievable. That's what he's saying. Do you know the Christ, the unbelievable one? Have you tasted of him, the unbelievable and unparalleled one? Worship him. Come to him. That's the first call on Fresh Faith's mission. It's know him from the depths of your soul and love him for all you got. That's what he's calling you to. You know, worship. It's a word that... Um, comes from the original language that literally means this. Go ahead and stand up again, Kim. We used it last week for a bad thing, for sin. This week we'll use it for something else, okay? Worship. This is what worship looks like, all right? You ready? Oh, you're getting ready this time. All right. (laughs) I'm backing up now. All right. This is worship in the original language. This is what it means. It means to bow down, to take the hand of, yeah, you can give me your hand, and kiss the ring of. It's like that. This is the image of worship. When it says, worship him, it's asking us to get down on our knee and recognize and give him respect and authority. It's to say, you're amazing. With your body language, with your posture, with your thinking, with your words, with your actions, you're amazing. Our English word worship, it comes from this word worthship. It means you are so worthwhile. You are so worth knowing that I'm going to celebrate you. Worthship. That's where the word came from. It's saying you're worth it, Lord. May you be glorified. That's our first call in the mission. May we never pick up the word and sense a call to action before we've sensed a call to know him. Are you hearing me? We have to have a faith that knows him, that's blown away by him, that's adoring him with all we've got. Then we go to action. The action is our thank you for getting a chance to know him. Know him first. Worship him. Come to him and get to know him personally. Question. Have you ever come to Jesus Christ and done that? Gotten on your knee before him and just said, Lord, it's all about you. Please use your shed blood and replace what I owe. I love you and I want you to take over my life. Is there a moment in your life where you've done that? Have you put a stake in the ground that says now I'm giving in my life. It's now. If you haven't done that, make today the day. Make it now where you say it's time for me to start worshiping him. The creator, the almighty. If you have done that, are you losing sight of it or are you keeping track of it? Put squarely in front of you the decision you've made to go after him with all you've got. May you regularly and daily taste and see that the Lord is good. That's our call. That we know him personally and find him oh so satisfying. Amen? That's where we need to go. Fresh Faith's mission first worship him. Second, walk. Hunger for growth through the Bible. Walk. Now, some of you are going, wait a minute, I recognize these W words, right? Okay. We're going through what would actually be what's called a complete disciple. And here at harvest, we talk about those, right? Worship, walk, work, and witness. I just put those words at the front end. But what's amazing is as I put these phrases down, I want to tell you, I didn't start out the week doing that. I started out the week with the phrase that came after it and afterwards i'm like hey this is clearly just worship walk work and witness we need to reflect on the fact that we're in a spot where god's given us a chance to actually see the complete disciple being modeled in first peter 2 1 through 12 so his second element is walk we're going to back the truck up here and go to chapter 2 verse 1 again start there notice it says so okay that's one of those connecting words all right He's tying it from before he's saying what was it before said is now so important that now I'm telling you Here's what your action's going to be to respond with Well, what was he saying right before it go back to verse 23 of chapter 1 He says since you have been born again Not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of god For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass the grass withers and the flower falls But the word of the lord remains forever and this word is the good news that was preached to you living abiding word forever so that's where we are okay chapter 2 verse 1 so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander okay put away this phrase literally means take off those soiled clothes That's literally what it means, okay? In the original language, it had this sense of strip off that disgusting stuff you're wearing and lay it on the floor. It's kind of like when you were playing as a kid and you'd get all muddy or whatever and you come to the back door and your mom goes, whoa, 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 do not even think about coming in this house with those on. Strip those off, I mean, right there and right now. That is filthy, right? That's what he's saying. He's saying, now, get them off right there. Put away the following nasty clothes. Here's what he says. Put away all malice. You know, that thing where you are so angry with someone that you can't help but seethe. That thing where you're like, I just want them to pay for what they did. Do you know what he said to me? I'm telling you, next time he says that, this is what I'm going to say to him. Let me tell you, I'm going to, maybe I should go tell them that they said that. Maybe I should work with them on how they did that. I think I'll bring them around a little bit on this one. They're going to pay for what malice. It's the, I want you to hurt just because I'm mad at you. Malice, okay? Deceit. This is the idea of not telling the truth in order to trick. Literally, it was fish hook. It means bait the hook and snag them. It means put something tasty on the outside, and what's on the inside is going to nail you. Deceit. Okay, I'm giving you that beautiful looking worm that you so desire to eat, but on the inside is the nasty hook that's going to nab you. Okay, that's really the image here. Deceit, trickery, hypocrisy. This is the actor's mask. He's speaking in a ton of metaphors here. He's saying, stop wearing masks. Stop pretending to be one person when you're another. Please. Who you are in christ is who you are in christ Just let it be known Show god working in your life Show him working in your life because you've got broken stuff going on But tomorrow some of that's going to be gone Because he's working on you Allow god to be demonstrated in your life You know all too often we fake our cleanliness. You know what I mean? It's like we're scrubbing the exterior, but the interior's still filthy Do You know what i'm talking about? That's no, just me Okay, you know what i'm talking about that's what we have to be careful of he's saying hypocrisy Stop cleaning up the outside and forgetting about the inside Stop putting on that actor's mask that makes you look completely different than you really are Be who you are And let god be glorified Hypocrisy envy I can't believe they got that. I wish I could have that They didn't deserve that more than me. I should be getting Whatever it is envy Slander you know, once our hearts has been burdened with all these evils, once we are nastily upset and going the wrong direction, our tongue is quick to follow. And that's when we start bashing people. It's the gossip, it's the slander, it's the ill talk about somebody that basically brings them down a notch. Because somehow if they come down a notch, I'll feel better about me, relatively speaking, being up a notch. Do you know what I mean? If I can't get myself up... I'll bring them down. Slander. Use of the tongue to try to destroy. It's what's the heart bleeding out doing on the tongue, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's what's going on. It's not shut your mouth. It's get your heart clean. That's a call to change slander, okay? Heart clean. Now notice this. It says, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander he is hitting hard on the alls right all 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 because he's saying this it's not get rid of most of your malice there's that one guy i'm going to remain pretty ticked at you know but everybody else i'm good with but that one guy no way am i releasing that guy no way am i going to release my mother For how she treated me no way am I going to release my sister for how she talked to me No way am I going to release my brother For what he did to me yesterday Right, we hold some people in contempt, but we're like but the majority of the world is good I've done this a lot I've released a ton of malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander but all Seriously all All That's what he's saying It's time for us to respond in front of our living God and his living word with a pure cleansing. It's time to go after an all as we drop the soiled clothes. All of it. Walk. Hunger for growth through the Bible. We haven't even got to the Bible piece yet. Verse 2. He says, "...like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation." Like newborn infants long for this pure spiritual milk. We've all seen the mom walking around with the baby, right? And the baby's totally content and calm. And then dad comes in and is like, hey, how's it going? Right? And we start lifting him up in the air. And I don't know why we do that. Like the first thing we want to do is our baby like, this is awesome. And they're like petrified. Ah, Right? <laughs> And all of a sudden we get the kid kind of, they're a little bit nervous and a little distracted and then they start to cry and, and mom's like, can I please just hold? And you're like, I got him, it's cool, we got it, right? And our baby's crying a little bit, but we're gonna calm them down. We've seen moms and dads working and we have our different ways of working. I'm not saying dads aren't nurturing, but we do. We have that play spirit in us. I don't know why, that's where it comes from, right? Yeah, sure, John is like, whatever, you were just weird, okay. Love playing with the kids. But there's times where our children cry and we need to be figuring out why like sometimes it's really obvious but sometimes it's not what if i'm holding my baby and my baby's crying and you come up and she's six months old and you're like oh is she okay yeah she's she's been crying a little bit but she's okay how long has she been crying i don't know a long time like a day well (laughs) have you been checking like have you checked i mean does she need her diaper changed nope check that Is she cold? No, she's just the perfect temperature. Check that. Got that all covered. Okay, well, has she gotten sleep? Well, yeah, she's been doing pretty well sleeping. Well, did you feed her? Yeah, I fed her. When did you feed her? Three days ago. (laughs) Right? And you're like, that's stupid. Right? You've got to be kidding me. You fed her three days ago and, and you're wondering why she's crying? This child needs food and sustenance. That's what Peter's saying. We need to long for the scriptures. We need to long for the truth of the almighty in our lives as a newborn infant longs for the pure spiritual milk, hunger for it, want it, need him, need the truth that you find within his scripture. Be in a position where you are crying. If you haven't been there for a few days, be in a position where this is your sustenance, the Lord feeding you through his truth, hunger to grow. Through his word. Long for it with all you've got. That's our calling. You know, we can often end up not hungering and growing. And instead trying to do it all on our own. Look what he says here is the result of it. That by it, the pure spiritual milk of the word. That by it, you may grow up into salvation. You may experience this life changing transformation. As God moves you from newborn to a young toddler, to a child, to a younger uh, teen, to a young adult, to an adult, maturing you up through the word, growing you through the word. This is where you grow. It says right here that by it, you may grow up into your salvation. It's not about trying to change yourself. It's not about trying to muscle the change in you. It is about, Lord, What do you want done in my life? What principles do I need to see in your word? Show me, shape me, change me. Let his word pour over you. Long for his truth. Look for him in the word. Don't just look for all the things you need to do to change. So you're walking away going, wow, that's a heavy list. This is really not fun. Go through the word saying, let me find you in this, Lord. Help me see your character. Help me see who you are and how you work. Help this word come alive in my life so that I'm passionate about what you're doing. Lord, change me as I meet you. This word will come to life. I guarantee you the living, active word of God. If it doesn't feel that way to you, you haven't been there in a while. It's time to get into the word and just hang out. Get fed, get nourishment, taste, And see that the lord is good Can you see how the two now connect? That's what it's all about So first was worship second is walk How are you doing with the word you ready to pour in third work serve him purposefully work Serve him purposefully So we've got worship and we've got walk. We've got someone who's on fire for jesus christ and they're growing to be more like him Guess what the next step is? Get involved right? So let's see what he says here. Verse five, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. You yourselves like living stones are being built up. What does that metaphor mean? Well, if you go back to verse four, which is what we used when we were in the worship piece, he says, as you come to him, Jesus Christ, a living stone. Now you yourselves are like living stones. He's saying, Jesus Christ is a stone that we're building upon. A living stone. He's alive. And as he builds into your heart and lives, and as he builds into the church and changes and shapes you, you have a chance to become more like Christ. And now he says, you can be like living stones. You can be like Jesus Christ. You can be a part of what's built upon in this foundation called the church. When he says, I am building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. He's saying... I need you, and I want you to be a part of what I'm going to be doing here. I want people on fire for me. I want the truth of who I am to be spread throughout this world. I'm going to use you to make clear who I am. I will build my church. Now he says, you can be these living stones, and you are built up as a spiritual house, a house, a place of protection, safety, A place where you are cared for. A place where you feel completely at ease and calm. Spiritual house. That's what he's building with us right here. That's the goal. That you and I bring together a community where there is a sense of safety and protection and provision. Where there is a sense of homeness to what's going on. A spiritual house being built up as we go after him what's the purpose now here we go this is the work part to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to god through jesus christ to be a holy priesthood remember he's writing to the jews and this is what he's saying he's saying you guys know you jews and you who knew the jews and were put into exile by running away from because you've now become christians he says you know what this jewish thing's about you remember we all as the masses were trying to be the chosen nation of god And there was this representative few who were the priests and they on behalf of us and all of our mistakes came before god to represent us and say lord please forgive them they would do a little bit of sacrifice and some offering they would try to represent to the people and then bring back a word from god to the people through his scriptures the priests he said just so you know you're all one now just so you know The priest who could go into the Holy of Holies and there was only one a year, you can every day. He's saying you can draw near to the Almighty. Like that one or two used to be able to do. Embrace your privilege. Embrace your privilege. That's what he's saying. What an amazing moment you have to speak to the Almighty. Yes, it takes holiness. Jesus Christ provided Yes, it takes cleansing. Jesus Christ provided. Yes, it takes being clothed in righteousness. Jesus Christ providing. You are a priest able to enter the very throne room of the almighty and speak saying, Daddy, Abba. And he scoops you up in his hands and he pulls you close and sets you on his lap. And he wants to listen to what's going on in your life. You are the adopted child of the Almighty. Embrace that privilege. You're a priest. He says to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Now remember, these priests with the Jews, they offered physical sacrifices. All they had was a lamb. You, you have a spiritual sacrifice. You have something that involves a living piece of you being offered up for him. As you get to say, Lord, take my life. May I lift your name up. May you be glorified. My spiritual sacrifice being delivered before you today. And Lord, help me to grasp you better as I go through it. You have a chance to do some service for him that celebrates him, that lifts him up. And in the midst is an offering of yourself to him. It's this idea of work, serving him purposefully. He says here in verse six, for it stands in scripture. Don't you love that? Even our gospel writers with the great authority that all of these apostles had, they sat down still to say, because scripture says, amen. Like, where do we go when we're looking to find some truth? Scripture says. That's where we need to go. So Peter, not needing to support himself with scripture, but still doing it says, for it stands in scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion, a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Isaiah 28 verse 16 will not be put to shame. He says, behold, I lay in Zion, Israel, a stone, a cornerstone. What's that? That's a very specific stone that was used that had very tight measurements to it It had great line and great shape Then it was placed as a cornering element to correctly provide line for the whole of the building Okay, that's what it's about the cornerstone. It's basically the plumb line that keeps everything else straight Build off of that and you're gonna have a good building Jesus christ Our cornerstone. That's what he's saying build off of him And you're going to have a straight line. He is our living stone. He is our living cornerstone. How awesome is that? It says, well, he is chosen and precious. There are those words again. Chosen and precious. Selected specifically by God. The cornerstone wasn't just some stone you slapped up. They actually went around and looked for the just the right kind of stone. And when they found just the right kind of stone, they would still shape it just a little bit more to get it absolutely perfect. That cornerstone was the everything of the building in getting it just right. Chosen. Chosen by God. And as God chose Jesus Christ, perfect, absolute perfect plumb line, he is precious, unattainable, unalterable, completely perfect. The wow in the whole building. He is precious. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. That's where you and I get to stand with our faith. You believe in him, you will not be put to shame. You will not be put to shame. That's what he's saying. Huge emphasis. You will not be put to shame. Just say the word not with me really loud. Ready? Not. One more time. Not that's what it's about. I will not be put to shame. Absolutely not worth trusting in completely Guaranteed totally worth knowing our precious cornerstone. May we lean upon him. That's what he's talking about He says so verse 7 the honor is for you who believe You have an honor coming to you if you trust in him But for those who do not believe The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone you're like, well, I thought he already was the cornerstone. What's Basically, you didn't believe in him. Those who aren't believing in him aren't trusting in him. Guess what? Doesn't stop what God's doing. Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. He is to be built upon. And those who aren't believing, it doesn't stop it from happening. It just means that there's a loss for them. And he goes a little further. He says, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. There's a moment that the Pharisees had that many of those people had that were following him to follow And they chose not to. They chose instead to go their own way. They lost out on the great privilege. It says here they disobeyed the word. How do we end up knowing if we're following Jesus Christ? We're obeying the word of Jesus Christ. We're obeying the scriptures. We're looking at what he's got to say and we're going after him. Now, he says, I want you to know if you trust in him, if you believe in him, you will not be put to shame. There will be something coming to you. What is it? It's identity. And now he goes through it in verse nine. What does it mean to walk with him? What does it mean to to, uh, work with him? What does it mean to know him and serve him and have this purpose with him? You have this identity that gets built into you and that you use as you're leaning upon him. He says, you are, verse nine, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That's who you are. You are a chosen race. Notice these phrases that sound a lot like Israel? He's trying to say, Look, remember the image we had of God working with Israel? Now we've got an image that gets to be carried forward to all those who are ready to believe in Him. A chosen race. You are the ones who believe in Him. A royal priesthood. Here we are with that priesthood thing again. You get to come to Him, to His very throne room, and talk to Him, to share with Him, to relate to Him. Royal priesthood. You are one of His children. A holy nation, a people for his own possession. That word for his own possession, it literally means to wrap the arms around and to own with all you've got. Completely in his protection and safety, you are his. Possession was the best word they could come up with to match it. You are God's possession. What's the point of it? Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That you can simply say, God is worth knowing. That you can say, he is excellent. Do you, how many of you remember Bill and Ted's excellent adventure? If you do, you're over 40. Okay. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, right? And the whole thing was, in the, at every point in life where they were experiencing something, they would say, excellent. excellent. Okay, that's what it's all about. You get the chance, as you're going through life, to simply say, Jesus Christ is, and that's who he is. Come to know him, please. He's an unbelievable savior. That's what it's about. To proclaim his excellencies. Whoever thought Bill and Ted would make a sermon, right? (laughs) I mean, the reality is you have a chance to know Jesus Christ and to know him personally and powerfully. Now he says, right at the end here in verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You get to be called a child of God. You get to receive mercy. And in the midst of this identity... We get to lean upon him serve him to go back to this being a priesthood a spiritual sacrifice of offering from you You saying lord. How can I show you to be excellent? How can I proclaim your Excellencies may I show you off with all i've got. It's all about you lord You know All too often we get the wrong identity Where's your identity? Are you putting your identity in him? I just wrote down four identities that are messed up. Four identities we can wrongly go after. First, my title. That business card, man. I'm telling you, that job is everything to me, and you need to know. So the first thing we do when we meet somebody is we give them the, hey, my name is, and I'm a, and we fill in the blank with our title. Is your identity in your title? Be careful. It's temporary. I, I can tell you, people have a lot of titles over their lifetime watch out. That's not where the identity needs to be. Maybe it's just number two, my performance. Forget the title. I don't care about that. I just want everybody to know how good I am. Maybe you were raised in a family that just drilled the excellence. Do not make a mistake. And all of a sudden you become this perfectionist. You're all about delivering perfectly. And if you make a mistake, you almost can't handle yourself. Do you know what I'm saying? Some of you are like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's me. And others of you are going, I have no clue what he means. Then, then you're not a perfectionist. So for you, you, you who are perfectionists, perfectionist, join me for a second. Be careful because all of a sudden our performance becomes everything we're about. Everything we do has to be exactingly perfect or else we don't feel good about ourselves. We're in a spot where we're going, I want to be known as the one who's got it all together. My performance has to display perfection. Be careful. It's not about title it's not about performance maybe on the other side of the fence number three my past you're letting your past define you some of us have made some rough decisions in our lives some things we deeply regret some things we want to let go of and run from and we just feel like it's always hanging over us and we're just defined by what we've done that's from the pit of hell that needs to be let go of we can be called a chosen race a royal priesthood. Royal. Hear me? Royal priesthood. A holy nation. The child of the Almighty King. Scooped up and placed on His lap. Loving you closely. Calling you His possession. Let go of your past. It's nothing in the eyes of the Almighty. He's washing it away. He's bringing you close. And you really don't never want to talk about it again. Right? There's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in christ jesus wash the past away trust in jesus christ my title my performance my past and you know we oftentimes bring our past into our present my problems you know somebody says hey how's it going and then you're like well just a second You know, this week I've had a knee ache. I've had a a, a throat ache. I've had a job problem. I've had a boss who was a little mean. My wife was chewing on me a little bit. I've had a kid problem, crying a lot. I've had a lot of things going on, right? And all of a sudden we start listing, who are we? It's my problems. That's who I am. Every time you meet me, you're going to hear my problems. That's an identity problem, okay? We got a serious identity problem if we're all about our problems. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes we're really going through a world of hurt. There's stuff really going on physically or there's stuff really going on spiritually or relationally that needs to be talked out. My request to you would be, make sure you find the right people to lean on and lean on them with all you've got. May you be cared for and networked around. May we have a relationship that puts our arms around. We need to be willing to hear of people going through pain, but know this as well. We need to, on the other side of the fence, not be the one who's always got the pain and I never let go of my pain and I'm always gonna tell you what's going on. If that pain got fixed, I'll tell you about the next. If that's where you're at, you got a problem. You need to let go of it. We're not going to identify ourselves in our pain, okay? Please hear me in that balance. Because for those who are hurting at something, you're like, oh, so you don't ever want me to talk about it. That's not where we're at. We need to be talking through our struggles. We need to be working and praying with each other. James 5, 16. We need to confess our faults one to another and pray one for another that we might be healed. We need to be working with each other, okay? So please hear me the right way. It is about sharing with each other but your identity is not in your problems. That's just something going on. You're still a chosen race, a holy priesthood, a royal, royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're the one who can call Daddy Abba, Father. May we find our identity in the Almighty. You know, there was a man named John Gardner, CEO of a company. He hated asking people, so what do you do? He never asked them that. Instead, he asked them, I'll just read it. What have you done that you believe in, that you're happy about being a part of? What have you done that you believe in? I mean, with that answer, it doesn't matter what your title is or what you're performing. What matters is, this is something I find to be all important, and I'm all over it. What have you done that you believe in? Couldn't we easily turn that one to the faith question here in the church? What have you done? That you believe in. How are you doing in demonstrating the excellence of the almighty? If you're in a spot right now where you're saying, I have not met Jesus Christ. And I have not served him passionately in this church body. Hey, we'd love to welcome you to an opportunity. There's a lot going on around here where we could get you plugged in. Jesus brought you here with a purpose to help build this church. I'm not sure what it is or how you're gifted and where you want to get to. But we need to help you get there. Ephesians chapter 4. We have a job to make sure that you come in and as a gifted one, we get you to the spot where God wants you to be serving him. May God be glorified as you get to the right place. We need to help you work serving him purposefully, answering this question. Oh, I'll tell you something I believe in. For example, maybe it's uh, an easy one like working the front desk with children's. And here's the deal. Are you ready to be a person that sits at our front desk and welcomes in new people here to the church? Helps them get their kids to the right place. Calms them down as they're trying to find their way through the hallway. Explains to them that the orange carpet isn't something we bought. Right? And just says, hey, we love you. And we want you to be a part of this church. We're excited about what God's doing. How can I help you plug in and feel like this is home? Vision. That's what I could go after believing in. It doesn't matter where you're at in this church. We can be doing something to make this place be on fire for Jesus Christ. Are you ready to plug in and work for him, serving him purposefully? That's what we want to go after. So worship, walk, work. And the last one is witness. Boldly proclaim through actions and words. Witness. Boldly proclaim through actions and words. We start in verse 11. He says, beloved. This means ones whom my heart pangs for and longs for. Loved ones. I think the NIV says, dear friends, it's actually kind of played down a little bit. It's like, oh my word, do I love you. That's what he's saying. He says, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, as ones who are just passing through, you're just a traveler, you're on vacation, and it's kind of a rough one. You've got a tent, not a permanent home. You're staying for a short time. Don't drink deep from the world. That's what he says. Abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage against your soul. Watch out. Don't go the world's way. You're just here for a short time as a visitor. And remember, your job is to reflect the Almighty that you're headed back to. May you recognize that your goal is headed home to him. And as I look to reflect his glory, I am here simply as a reflector of him. May I not be the one who's drinking deep of my passions and my flesh, waging war against my soul, that peace of me that lasts for all eternity, that core of me, the true who I am. It's affecting that. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Peter's really serious about that action stuff, conduct. It comes up six, seven, eight times in First Peter, depending on which translation you've got. Conduct, it's all about your actions Following through in a way that demonstrates he's so worth knowing. Conduct yourselves honorably, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Saw a phrase this last week went like this: People that you meet around you that don't know Jesus Christ are making decisions about reality based on your conduct. They're making decisions about reality based on your conduct you and I have a responsibility as witnesses to be acting appropriately, to be reflecting him appropriately so that through you and through your actions, through your words, through your passions, through what matters to you, they can get a glimpse of what really should matter and the reality of Jesus Christ locks in. And at the day of his visitation, they can glorify him and say, I know you because I knew the one who knew you and I was introduced to you through him. Praise God, I met you through someone who you were in in indwelling. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit and you move through this community to reflect Him with all you've got. How are you doing? How are you doing? How's your language? How are your actions? Who are you hanging out with and where are you hanging out with? Them. Facebook. How are you doing on Facebook? Watch out. Like as soon as you can't see someone, you feel like you can let your guard down and all of a sudden you're Kind of acting a little differently. You're maybe typing words you'd never say. Especially if you were in a church. But on a Thursday, I'll write it in my Facebook. Watch out. How are you reflecting the Almighty as you go through life? We have a job. We have a job to reflect His glory in the church walls. That's work. Serving for Him purposefully and then witnessing outside the church walls. Making sure everyone knows how awesome He is. Praise be to God we serve an mighty savior a master planner who leads an army of his members on fire for him that's you and me here's our faith's mission worship walk work and witness may we bring him glory as we lift him up just say those four words with me okay ready worship walk work and witness that's a complete disciple that's someone on fire for him That's someone showing him off to be excellent. Let's pray.